Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Continuing from last week. Last week, we really just got our feet wet, okay? Really just got our feet wet. As a matter of fact, mom wouldn't even qualify that as a bath. I'm just saying, we just, you know what I'm saying? We just barely got our feet wet. And so there is just one phrase in Jeremiah 2 and 5, and you can go to Jeremiah 2 and 5. It may even be up there. The same verse, the same verse, you'll notice this was a, a pivotal point for what I preached last Sunday night. So there's, this is all just, everything's been kind of coming out of Jeremiah 2 5 in reality. Last Sunday morning, last Sunday night, and continuing this morning. But the phrase I really wanted just to zone in on, uh, and this is already part two, and there will be more than just today, guarantee you. But we're honing in on that last phrase of this particular sentence. If you can go on to the next one, there or it's all, yes. They have walked after vanity and are become vain. I want to submit that to you in a few different versions of the Bible so you can get a little feel just for that phrase alone. This is the New International Version. They won't be up there. You just have to listen to my, my voice. The, inter, the New International Version takes that same phrase and says it like this. They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. The New American Standard Bible does it like this. And whenever I say this, a lot of times it's uh, theologians and scholars that are using maybe perhaps a different shading of the meaning of whatever the Hebrew word was, okay? They walked after emptiness and became empty. This was interesting to me. This is the Aramaic Bible in plain English. And it says it like this, as far as translated. They went after nothing and they have gained nothing. So I started last week talking to you about mirror image. My plan is to continue talking about that today. And we just got our last week. This was really a seed thought in my spirit. So it's developed a little bit more over the week. All right. And so we were just scraping the surface last week because that was just all that was coming together in my brain, a seed thought. But when you give me time to mull something over in my head and God is able to impress things on my spirit, then we'll go a little further. Amen. So let's pray this morning. Amen. As we consider this topic, Lord Jesus, I love you today. I'm so thankful, Lord, for your mercy. I'm thankful, God, for your grace. I pray, oh, Lord, today that you're able to speak to us, Lord, through your word. God, in it is life. God, in it is, Lord, direction. In it is help. In it is grace. God, in it, Lord Jesus, is judgment. There's both the wrath and the goodness of God that's found in your word. I pray, oh God, I need both, Lord, in order, Lord, to live, God, adequately, Lord Jesus, before you. God, touch us afresh today and will not fail to thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And you may be seated this morning in the lovely name of Jesus. So, last week lesson was a course all on the premise of this they that have walked after vanity are become vain and so we'll continue with that today now understanding that this was written and recorded in the book of jeremiah uh, gives us a little bit of understanding concerning the phrase within itself jeremiah was uh, known and all times described as the weeping prophet 
because he had been a prophet unto Israel and unto Judah. And he's the weeping prophet because every word that he has given to the people, he knows uh, talking to them about how they're going to be taken away by a foreign nation or foreign people and be taken into captivity. And he's warning them and he's waving the red flag, if you will, of warning. And it seems to be falling upon deaf ears. They are not really engaging in what the prophet is saying. They're, it's like he's just singing a sweet song. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's just saying it, but it's not penetrating their souls and their spirit. And so what Jeremiah is dealing with in his day, even as I alluded to even last Sunday night, is this process that humanity and cycle that we find ourselves in of growing close to God, growing away from God, God pulling us back to himself, and this constant cycle of back and forth. There are times that uh, we are more interested in the things of God, and there's other times that we lose our interest in the things of God. And so that, is, that wasn't an Israel problem. That's a humanity problem. Humanity problem, and it has not changed for generations. And so, Israel as a nation, though, was in one of those modes of having drawn away from God, and they had drew away from God by drawing unto pagan gods, false idols, false gods, and things of that nature. And so, with all of that in mind, since Jeremiah is dealing with a group of people, a nation who are traded the true God for false gods and idols and other things, or at least has allowed something to come between them and their God. Remember last week, our simple Junior Weisenberger definition of an idol, anything that gets between you and God. Uh, since they were doing that, we then understand this verse of Jeremiah 2 and 5 in that, that those that walk after vanity will or will become vain. And so he's speaking to these people. And so the idea is this, and this is what we thrusted last week, and this is just a little review, that what we walk after, we will become. What we walk after, we will become. And although Jeremiah pictures that, that idea and that concept in what I would describe as a negative sense, if you walk after vanity, you'll become vain, there is also, though, something very positive there as well to be found whenever we consider if we're walking or following the ways of the Lord or God, then we will become what he is. Jeremiah took the negative aspect of it because that's where they were at that particular time, not following the Lord. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to become what you walk after. But if we take it on the positive side, following the Lord, we will become what he is. And our, do we not, we even have songs that we sing to be like Jesus be like Jesus, yeah, all I want, be like him in life's journey from here to glory. Yeah, I only ask to be like him, right? And so we even have songs that we sing about that. So we have this desire in our heart, amen, or at least should be, to be like him, amen. And we have different places in Scripture. He even admonishes us, amen, to become like him or follow his pattern or his walk and his lifestyle. The Bible states, and I have plenty of Scripture for us today, those that are Scripture hungry, amen. First John, if you haven't read your Bible this week, you're going to get it in. First John chapter number 4, First John chapter number 4, verses 16 and 17, the Bible states these words, and, and Brother Mason's on the front row, so I don't want to leave him out. I'll back up just a little bit. And we know... And we know and believed the Lord that God hath, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth, everybody say dwelleth, in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to define a term for you in verse number 16 when it says he that dwelleth. The word dwelleth there, uh, translated from the Greek, it can mean this. He that stayeth, he that abideth, he that continueth, he that remaineth in the love, dwelleth in God and God in him. Another term in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. All right, a lot of times in modern day we see the word perfect in our English and we're like flawless, you know, that's not perfect most of the time in Scripture. Most of the time in Scripture it is complete or it is mature. In this instance it is complete. Herein is our love made complete that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as God is, so are we in this world. So if we break it down, the scripture then conveys to us here in First John, when we stay, abide, continue, all those different ones that you desire to use in order to get the meaning conveyed. When we stay, abide, continue, and remain in, in love. And the scripture already told us we have other places that tell us that what? God is right. So to stay, abide, continue, and remain in love is in essence to stay, abide, and remain in God. Because God is love. It says if we do that, that we will be able to stand in the day of judgment with boldness or if you will with confidence because we have become in this world as God is. Meaning this, we've become like him. We'll be able to stand in boldness on the day of judgment because we become who he is. Amen. Because if you're standing before the Lord and he's going to pronounce judgment upon your life, but you emulate and have patterned yourself to who he is, what is there to lay really a hard judgment upon? Everybody doing all right? He says and we, the way that we accomplish this is by staying, continuing, abiding, and remaining in love or in God. In other words, we will again have become what he is. This is the desire of God for all time for humanity. He wants his creation, that includes us, he wants his creation, he wants mankind to reflect who he is. We said last week that we were made image bearers right in the very beginning of the, of the book of the Bible in Genesis. We were made image bearers of God. But listen, the reason why we were made image bearers were not for our glory, but for his glory. We were made to be his image bearers for his glory. Whenever we say the little cliches like our life is not our own and like I was alluding to this whole slavery aspect, in reality, there's a lot of truth to that. I'm not here really for Paul McGee to tout Paul McGee or to promote and propagate Paul McGee. I am here. God created us all for his glory to bring, if you will, adherence and, and, and recognition and all esteem to him. Amen. Jeremiah lets us know that we will turn into what we are following. In other words, what we become, listen to me very closely, what we become will be the evidence of what we've truly been following. New Testament, follow me and I'll make you fishers, Sister Rhonda's Sunday school teachers. Right on it today. Fishers of men. They would become what they were following. 
And what they became would be evidence to the point of what they had been following. It, should be, it shouldn't be a surprise this morning that we mirror what we follow. Because again, from the beginning, God has made us to be image bearers. And we were made according to the scripture in his image and after his likeness, the likeness of God, right? We was made after the likeness of God in the image of God. Let me include for the purpose of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 43 and verse 7, Isaiah says, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created, look at this, for I, and I'm, I, I know my pace this morning is a little slow, but I, I'm doing that intentionally. For I have created him for my, you thought you were created because your mom and dad had a relationship and we were born into the world. But in reality, every single one of us, the reason why we were brought into this world was for his glory. He said, I have formed him. Because in reality, although there is the act, if you will, of procreation, it wouldn't happen unless he had his hand in the form. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And he says, y'all were created, trees, dirt, humanity, for my glory. Now, listen to me then. If, that, if we could agree this morning, Chris, if that is the purpose then of our existence is for the glory of the Lord, if we could agree on that from this verse just even alone, would it be proper then to say to reflect or become diff, something different than what God is is to betray the very purpose that we were created for? Just ponder with me for a moment. To betray the very purpose we were created for. We were create, created again, Isaiah says, for his glory. Therefore, our lives should emulate, pattern, imitate his. To fulfill our created purpose according to the verse in Isaiah. Now, I realize, listen to me well, I realize this metamorphosis of who we're born into because we're after the Adamic nature, which means we are flawed. And we come into this world. Thank you, mom and dad, Adam and Eve. <laughs> Thank you. We are, we are flawed whenever we come to this world. And I realize this metamorphosis in our lives uh, happens over time. But it is ultimately complete whenever Jesus Christ returns for us. Because on that day, ultimately, we will ultimately become as he is. The Bible says also in 1 John chapter number 3, verses 2 and 3, amen, this is what John says. He said, beloved, now are we the sons of God. So we've had some type of experience that took place in our life. Whenever he says sons of God, he's just not talking about being created. He's talking about us having adopted the spirit of Christ in our lives, all right? We have been adopted by God. We are now sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that. When he shall appear, that's an allusion to the second coming of the Lord, to the rapture, so to speak. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And we stop a lot of times with verse 2, but I, I did other reading. I always read above and read below. And whenever I looked at verse 3, I said, man, this needs to be included as well. As every man that hath this hope in him, and every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself. Even as he, that is God, is pure. 
See, because that changes the dynamics. You just take verse 2 by itself, and it's like when the Lord comes back, we're going to be changing the altar just to be as he is. But verse number 3 goes on and tells us every person that has this hope for this alteration, complete, if you will, overhaul and change, everyone that has this are purifying themselves. Note now, it says purifieth himself. Everybody getting that? In other words, this is not me sitting in the corner and say, God, you do the work. You just do the transformation. You do all this said and done. It'll be done. I realize we had that first occurrence of we can't save ourselves. It takes God to save us. But there are some things we can do after salvation. Amen. He says, every man that hath this hope, this hope of what? This change of when he appears, purifieth himself, even as he, God, is pure. Is it any wonder that on rapture day, we shall be changed? 1 Corinthians 15 even tells us what? We're going to lay aside this mortal and put on immortality, right? The corruptible is going to be laid aside and we're going to put on incorruptible. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 53, those who desire to know. What all this does is supports the idea, in my opinion, if we're going to have this ultimate change whenever he raptures the church, the, the capstone, if I could say it like that, to our change on rapture day, that alone, I believe, supports the idea that God wants us to be like him. It says in that day, he says, I'm going to do a number that's going to complete everything that you've been doing through your life. And you're going to be as I am. Now, if that isn't a supporting idea that he wants us to be like him, then I don't know what is. He could transform us to be this, that, or other. But he says, I'm going to make you like I am. Evidently, because that must be the deep-seated desire of God for us to be like him. And John admonishes those that have this hope of a perfect or, if you will, complete change. In other words, do what you can. Purify yourself. Do what you can toward that end. Huh? Do what you can toward that end. We must purify ourselves even as God is pure. We're, we're looking into words today, all right? The word translated purifieth here means to purify, cleanse from defilement. It's not only used, this word isn't always used whenever it's talking about ceremonial clean, cleansing, like Old Testament cleansing, ceremonial purposes, but it's also used when it's talking about moral cleansing of the heart, the soul, and the self. And how is it accomplished? Basically what our, our, our whole matter is last week and this week, by walking after him, will become as he is. Or stated differently. Let's take that same phrase and state it just a little differently. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, and I got several versions of this. I'm just doing this for your benefit. All right? And mine. I enjoy it. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 18. This is in the King James Version. You've, this may sound familiar. Some may be familiar with this verse. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Someone say changed. Into the same image. What are we beholding in the glass? Someone tell me. What are we beholding in the glass? Anybody? Open face. We're beholding as in a glass the what? The glory of the Lord. And we're being changed into what? Same image. What image is it talking about? Huh? Him. Him. 
from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Just want to read a few different versions. I'll read them slowly. I know you can listen quickly, but I'm going to read slowly. New International Version. And we all who with unveiled faces, and you might just keep that verse up there, Brother Zach, so they can follow along if they don't have a Bible on their lap or on their phone. And we all with un, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. New Living Translation. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. New King James Version. But we all, everybody doing okay? But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amplified Bible. I only got five more. I'm joking. And we all, with unveiled face, continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So you see a little variance here in some of these verses. Some translations say that we're beholding as in a mirror. There's other translations that say we can see and reflect then the glory. One scholar said that both translations are accurate. He says one implies that we are contemplating something. All right. Or we are beholding something. And the other one implies that we are reflect, refracting or reflecting something. The Greek verb actually that is used here is, can be translated both ways. What does this mean for you and I? Well, let's just go just a little deeper. The context that the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians about this face and this glory and being changed to glory, all the context, if you read above, before we come to that verse uh, number, number 18 in 2 Corinthians 3, if you read above it, the context in which the Apostle Paul brings this, he submits this verse as they are remembering Moses' face in the Old Testament that glowed whenever he came down from the Mount of God after he had had his encounter with God. That's found in Exodus 34. So he came down from the mountain, his face glowed. The Bible tells us even in Exodus 33 is where Moses was speaking to God and said, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. God is like, well, Moses, there is a place beside me. That's in Exodus 33. There is a place beside me. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll put my hand over it. I'll pass by and I'll let you see the back parts of my glory or the hinder parts of my glory. And after Moses had that experience, along with receiving the Ten Commandments for the second time, all this is together. He's seen, he's, he's beheld a portion of God's glory. He's received the Ten Commandments from heaven for the second time and he comes down from the mount and all Israel notices he's the shining one. Moses' face is glowing 
And when Moses spoke to the people, that glow was radiant upon his face. The Bible even says he had to veil himself because the glow was so much so on his face. What was happening, if you will, in that moment, Moses was reflecting almost like a mirror what he had beheld. What he had beheld on the mount of God. In other words, and when you look at the word behold, behold's not just like a glimpse. Behold's just not like a shooting your eyes over. When you behold something, that's the reason why one translator said contemplate. When you behold something, you study it. You ponder it. You contemplate it. And so as Moses beheld a portion of God's glory, contemplated it, pondered it, studied it, if you will, the Ten Commandments gave to him and the pattern to the tabernacle of the wilderness, his 40 days. Now, 40 days on the mount is not just taking a quick glance. 40 days on the mount, you are beholding the glory of God. And so he's beholding that so much so that when he comes down, here's both uses of the word. He's beheld it, but now he is reflecting it. He has become what he has beheld. He has become what he has beheld. Amen. And I don't, I don't know if Moses really understood what he was asking for whenever he said, Lord, show me your glory. I don't know if he really knew what he's asking for. Maybe in the back of God's mind, and this is just Paul McGee version, maybe in the back of God's mind he's thinking, Moses, if I show you even a portion of my glory, be prepared because you will then start to reflect what you've beheld. So every disciple I here in the New Testament, every disciple is like saying, Lord, I'll follow you. He's thinking, be prepared because you're going to turn into what I am. Amen. A mere image, if you will. We finished last week. I say finished. We quit last week. Looking in Isaiah, in Isaiah 44, what I was calling, look kind of a little bit at the hilarious side of a man that took a tree, felled a tree, made a fire with the tree, cooked his food upon the wood from the tree, and from the same tree made his idol, right? We looked at that last week, all right, which was, again, and I'm not trying to be mean or insensitive. It is just a little hilarious. And so we investigate then this constant wording in the scripture that I referred to last week. And you see it in the New Testament and Old Testament alike. The Lord's speaking about people that have eyes and see not, ears and hear not, so on and so forth. You see that constant phraseology in Scripture. And what that has come to be known through Scripture is a description of people, and it's referencing people who are idol worshipers, people that are worshiping idols. Because them not having eyes and not being able to see and ears and not being able to hear is nothing more but a good case study of them becoming what they have been walking after. All right. And so they become what they had. And even when we say walk after, they have become what they had worshiped. The Bible says this back in Isaiah 44. Look at it now. This verse is in reference to the idols. This again, just pushing that home. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity. Their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witness. Speaking of these delectable things or these graven images, they see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Reference to idols. In that same chapter, you, chapter, you drop down to verse number 18 of Isaiah 44. And this is really in reference to the idol worshipers. They have not known nor understood. For he has shut their eyes that they cannot see and their hearts that they cannot understand. So in verse 9, we see the description of the idol. In verse 18, we see the description of the idol worshiper. They have become 
what they worship. Now, I'm not to leave you in the doldrums here today, okay? Is everybody okay? But just as Jeremiah focused on the negativity of it, because that's where Israel was, what if we look at the positive side of it of becoming like he is if we follow after him? Because the reversal of this is just as, just as pertinent, just as valid as the negative side to it. I think this can, one of the areas that can best be seen in Psalms 115, if you'll turn there. Once again, once again in Psalms 115, we have the dialogue going on basically of how a idol worshiper becomes like the idol that they are worshiping. But further down in this chapter, we also see how a God worshiper becomes like God. Psalms 115 and verse 4, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 8, so I told you, Bible reading today, hallelujah. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them, this is quite a direct statement. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. So it gives us description of them and then says those who make them are like these and those who trust in them, they're like these as well. When you continue to go down, and you might have your Bibles open, maybe if you continue to go down to verses 9 through 11, the psalmist then is admonishing us, on the contrary then, to put our trust in the Lord. That's what he admonishes us after that 4 through 8. He's admonishing us to put our trust in the Lord. And then we come to verses 12 through 14, and it then tells us about the actions or the activity of our Lord. And so these are the activities, or this is God in action, described in Psalms 115. This is God. It says that he blesses us, he is mindful of us, and he will increase us. And if I may just use a word, he will magnify. Increase, you bring something close, or magnification. He will increase, or he will magnify us. Well, we reflect, everybody see, we reflect. We reflect the God we walk after because what do we do then sister mcgee having a god that blesses us you know what we do the word bless many times is also interpreted as praise we praise or bless the lord let me state this and and again this is no not trying to be haphazard any willy-nilly all that people that bless and praise the lord are people that are showcasing evidence that they're walking after him Because he blesses and praises, encourages, uplifts his people. And so we are reflecting who he is by reciprocating the blessing, the praise back to him. Amen. And so we reflect God that we walk after. God, he says, was mindful of his people. When you reflect the one that you walk after, you'll be mindful of God. In circumstance, decisions, situations. You'll be, that's just evidence of what you are following. Not only that, he says that he will increase, or if you will, he will magnify us. Was it not even the psalmist that said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name 
together. Now catch this, catch this. Verse number 17 of Psalms 115. We did all right on time? Yeah. Verse 17. In this context, understand we're talking about idols. We're talking about the true God. I know I might be oversimplifying things today, but just bear with me. I'm going to do it. All right, we're talking about idols. We're talking about the true God. And then verse 17 is entered in all this. Not that it doesn't apply to what's going on here. The Lord is very purposeful in what he does as he inspired men of old to write scripture. Psalms 115 verse 17. He says, the dead, the dead praise or bless not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. Now listen, the reason why I say this is important. Well, of course not, Brother McGee, a dead person can't praise God. They're, you know, six foot deep. They're taking a dirt nap and all this good stuff. They're not going to praise the Lord. Listen, you've got to understand the verse in the setting in which it's placed. We're talking about idols. We're talking about gods. Now, I realize some might think, well, dead people can't praise the Lord, but we've got to consider he is talking about idols. Idols, he says, there's no life. There's no, ma- there's no speech. There's no sight. There's, they are essentially dead they have no life in them and those who follow them are like them idols dead the idol worshiper maybe not in the literal sense but in the spiritual sense is dead no life in them for that matter idol worshipers are people who have gone down into silence because they have mouths but they can't speak Right, doing all right here? See what I'm saying? He's saying, he's saying the dead praise not the Lord. He said, idol worshipers don't praise the Lord. Idol worshipers don't, don't bless the Lord. No, no, no. They are like what they followed. They are like what they have beheld. Look at this. Proverbs 14 and verse number 12. Another little verse. Here. He said, there is a way which seemeth right unto who? Men. But the end thereof are the ways of And that's not spiritually, yes. But what's happened there? In my own eyes, oh, I'm going to follow after this. I'm going to go after this, go chase after this. Well, I'm going to become whatever I'm following after. The ways thereof are death. Therefore, idol worshipers will not bless or praise the Lord because our God, and this is replete, this is is secure in stone all throughout the scripture. Our God, the Bible says, is a living God. This living God phrase you see in the Old Testament, you see in the New Testament. This living God phrase, whenever David uh, uh, contemplated that, that Goliath and the Philistines were going to attempt to come against the armies, he said, who is the Philistines? Who is Goliath? That they would defy the armies of the, not just God, he, he makes a designation of the living God. As a matter of fact, more than one occasion, even in the Psalms, the psalmist pleads for the living God. And I like this. I've seen this in Psalms 42 and verse 2. The psalmist says, his soul thirsteth for God, the living God. But then in Psalms 84 and 2, it says, his flesh. Now, that's quite different. His flesh crieth out for the living God. In one instance, he said his soul thirsteth. Everybody would assume that their soul would thirst for God. But now he transitions and says, my flesh thirsteth or crieth out for the living God. Folks, you know a change has happened in someone when your flesh cries out for what your soul is thirsting for. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, the, you know, spiritual flesh is weak. Honey, whenever the flesh has a desire that's like, the so, you know somebody's got a change going on. 
Amen. The living God. Idols have mouths but speak not. They cannot make any noise. Therefore, their worshipers go down into silence, of course, not praising the Lord. Look at verse 18 of Psalms 115. I'm not done with Psalms. This is the last verse I am now. But Psalms 115, verse 18. But we love the contrast there. He was just describing one side of the equation. But now the psalmist says, but we bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the, you know what he's saying? We're not dead because we've not been following a dead God. We're not dead because we've not been following something absolute. We're not dead because our God comes down, intersects our paths in our lives. He's not something that we revere or image that we rub a toe up. But we will bless and praise. Why? Because we become what he is. The blessed becomes the blesser. We become what he is. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says, and all these blessings, speaking to Israel, he says, all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the, the Lord thy God. Did not even God tell Abraham in the very beginning, he said, Abraham, the nation of Israel is going to be what? A blessing. Right? If you'll follow the Lord, blessings are going to overtake you and you're going to become a blessing to others. How in the world does that happen? Because we're becoming what we're following after. Isaiah, Isaiah 6. We talked about that some last week. Let's go back there again. Isaiah benefited from turning his adoration and his attention toward God. Because evidently it wasn't right where it needed to be when he had this, this uh, interaction with God in Isaiah chapter number 6. When he beheld the glory of the Lord and he saw the king high and lifted up and his train filled the temple in Isaiah chapter number six. Evidently, Isaiah wasn't right proper where he needed to be, but he benefited greatly when he turned his attention and adoration toward God. Because Isaiah was living during a time, and I'd say every generation to some degree lives during a time. Of, of idols or idol worship. And again, for our generation, it's things that come between you and God. We won't call it stone or wood, but things that come between you and God. Every generation. The Bible even says in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 8, this is before Isaiah 6, Isaiah 2 and 8, it says their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So they're dealing, they're dealing with this separation from God, of people growing cold on God and chasing after other things in Isaiah's day as well. However, he even admitted in Isaiah chapter number 6, and if you're there, you can look at the first six or eight verses is there and just have your eyes run he even admitted in isaiah 6 that he dwelt among an unclean people did he not and he even said my own lips are unclean no doubt in my mind that isaiah to a degree is referring to the idolatry idol worship all around him i dwell among unclean people and even his own tendency to be swayed by such activity so well, he's a prophet who cares? Prophet, priest, pope. Who cares? You can be swayed by the generation environment that you live in. Don't matter. We're not impervious to it or immune to it. Doesn't matter. Amen. I believe, he said, I'm among unclean people. He said, and I, I'm kind of entertaining some unclean lips here. But he said, I've got some sway. But in this occasion, notice what happens in the first like four verses. In this occasion, Isaiah saw the Lord... And his glory. He 
He saw the Lord in his glory and all of his splendor. His eyes, the Bible plainly says, he saw the king. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. When the natural king died, Isaiah saw the king of kings. Amen. And he saw the king. And then, after beholding the glory and seeing the king in the splendor, then Isaiah, after beholding that bishop, he started to become what he beheld. Because he cries out about his unclean lips and what happens? The angel of the Lord comes with a coal from the altar and touches his lips with it. And the Bible states then his iniquity was taken away and his sin was purged. In just a little preliminary instant, Isaiah became holy. After he had beheld a king and a God full of glory whose seraphims around about the throne had been crying out, holy, 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 Isaiah, in an instantaneous moment, preliminary moment, with the coal being touched to his lips, amen, his sin was purged and, and, and his iniquity was taken away. He became what he was beholding. Amen. Luke chapter 6. It's all right. We don't have a service tonight. And we're doing good. Luke chapter 6, verse 39 and 40. And he, speaking of Jesus, spake a parable unto them. A lot of this, we use this a lot of times jokingly, right? All that, we're going to camp. Or some of them you almost get rear-ended by and they hit telephone poles and light poles and all that good stuff. We don't even talk about that. For another day. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Look at how this is coupled here in the scripture, verse 40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. So here's an allusion to the disciple-master relationship, or if you will, the leader-follower relationship. Let me put it in these terms, all right? our purposes here today can the blind idol lead the blind idol worshiper can the blind idol lead the blind idol worshiper again one has become what the other is they'll both fall into the ditch mm -hmm. they'll both fall. let me state this the danger the danger of becoming what we walk after is that judgment is found in what we become. I don't know if that made sense. I hope it did. The danger in becoming what we walk after is that judgment is found in what we become. Judgment comes as we get what we want. Judgment comes as we become what we desire. Israel... In Jeremiah's time, he's telling them, you're going to be taken to captivity 70 years. It's going to be long. He said, I don't care what all these other prophets and things are telling you. They're not prophets of God. They're telling you, and it's not going to happen. It's going to be peace. Everything's going to be fine. Woo-hoo. Pink elephants and lilies. He said, they're liars. They're not prophets of God. He said, it's going to happen. And the reason why it's going to happen is because that's what you've been chasing. That's what you've been chasing. And so Israel was turned over to captivity of foreign lands. 
because they gave more worship and contemplation to the gods of those lands than they did to the God of their land. So you know what God did? God gave them over to what they desired. Did you like the gods of that land? Then I'll let you be taken by that land. They were, they were, he was, they were given over to what they desired. And he made them, if I could even say it like this, he made them them. He made them then, in essence, captives of their desires. So, well, we're, we're in captivity of Babylon. Well, weren't you worshiping all those gods of Babylon? Yeah. Then I guess you're really just under captivity to what you desired. Naturally, naturally, and, and I'm coming to a close. If anybody's getting nervous, naturally. If you'd rather not get to where someone is going, then just don't follow them. If we spend our lives not in fellowship with God, he'll give us what we wanted on this earth for eternity. Separation from him. No fellowship with him. Now, that isn't God being rude. That isn't God being unfair. That is simply the playing out of the biblical principle. And you understand with me, that's simply the playing out of the biblical principle, even there in Luke 6 and verse number 40, that the disciple or the pupil is not above his master. In other words, everyone that is complete, everyone that is mature shall be as his master, the mere image of his master. So the hopes is this is that someday whenever if, if I if I in this life after becoming a son of God, if I purifieth myself to the end of trying to be like him daily and rapture comes and he does that capstone change in my life that I am just like him, then he takes me to the home that he's been preparing for me and I'm captivated for all eternity by the very things I've been desiring here on earth. Or I can walk after things other than God. And when rapture day comes, I still get a body that's different that can endure for all eternity. But my placement may be in hell. And you know, in the, in the sense, though, I'm held captive for all eternity by the things I desire. That I desired here, I'll live with there. What I desire here, I'll live with there. So what we follow, what we walk after, will become. It'll become our life. It'll become our living quarters. It'll become our eternity. Amen? We're not done with this. I still got to start somewhere like an exodus and move toward revelation, but we're, we're not done with this. Amen. Mere image. Mere image. I hope it helps someone today. Amen, or, or not, if anything, just shine some light on the thing. But here's the fact of the matter, and I don't want everybody to go away here. Oh, Lord, they don't walk after vanity to come back. Listen, you look at either the positive or the negative aspect of this. And we need to look at the negative aspect sometimes for conviction, but we need to look at the positive aspect for inspiration. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Here's the word. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you.
and have a blessed day.